The big white flakes sank down from the sagging sky. A wet gray light hung over everything, and the flakes looked gray against it, then turned white as they sank toward the dark earth. The roofs of the few houses along the road looked sogged and black. The man who sat in the wagon that moved slowly up the road wore an old quilt wrapped around his shoulders and a corduroy cap pulled down over his eyes. His ears stuck out from under the cap, thin as paper and lined with purplish veins. Before him, vanishing, the flakes touched the backs of the mules, which steamed and were black like wet iron. When the man spoke to the boy on the seat beside him, the ends of his mustache twitched the amber drops that clung to it. You can get off at the store, he said. The boy nodded his head, which looked tight and small under the rusty felt man's hat he wore. The hoofs of the mules cracked the skim ice in the ruts and pale yellow mud oozed up around the fetlocks. The wagon wheels turned laboriously, crackling the ice with a sound like paper. You've got a little time. We've got a little podcast. It's Short Story Short Podcast. I'm Chris here today with... Christy Baxter. Woohoo! And Christy, what story did we absorb today? We absorbed the many adjectives and verbs and a few articles of Christmas Gift by Robert Penn Warren. And as you will notice from having the heard the opening reading, uh, this is not a 20th century minimalist writing style story. It is chock full of words. Yeah, this is like, it, it was 1938 is the year that I have it being from. And I feel like there was a sort of a depression overcompensation. It was like, well, we haven't eaten or, you know, been satisfied in any way for many years. So we're just going to use all the words, just just complete logaria. Yeah, and just went at it. I mean, eyes fixed in question on the big man's face. The boy obeyed the gesture. Okay, that said a whole lot, but it didn't really tell me much. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. This is, I feel... As much as it's a story with that is very, very textured due to all the details, I feel that it's a story that really doesn't tell us very much. It, it's just, it gives us just a little tiny hint of something of the lives of these people and then leaves it at that, which can be a good thing if you're in the mood for it. I think what it really is for me is that it is a story that is being forced upon a plot and uh if he was i think he was like i have all these great descriptions and a couple of interesting characters what i really need to do is find a way to actually make something kind of happen and maybe a reason for it but it can't be a very good reason it has to just be sort of there yeah it's uh it's it's pretty flimsy as far as actual events go 
uh, it's basically boy goes to get doctor. <laughs> there are things that happen along the way, but that's really when you boil it down, boy goes to get doctor. Yeah. And what's actually interesting about that is I was not necessarily caring about him finding the doctor or who the doctor was actually for, which I think is kind of the ultimate question. It's one of those great, uh, ooh, is the narrator being reliable or obfuscating the truth, uh, he said with flailing hands. But uh, <laughs> the reality is that you were given this character who talks like Hagrid, uh, and you have this boy who I honestly don't know how to describe him more than he's just sort of he's a smart aleck at times and other times he's just a kid but it also ends with one of the most sickeningly sweet moments of that sort of smart alecky kid showing that he has a heart of gold also and you're being a little punny by saying sickeningly <laughs> sweet since it involves candy. Candy in the early 20th century was not like candy we have today. It was mostly salt lick. Uh, but uh, yeah. I and think... all the people were deer. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> but I think one of the things is uh, Robert Penn Warren, his writing is, again, it's dense, it's mm. thick, but at the other time he shows that he has an understanding of uh, how people actually read his work that makes it so you don't get bogged down. And I think I sort of saw that with uh, Just Whistle My Boy and I'll Come Running or whatever that was. Uh, there, there are points where you're bogged down in the reading. Here that doesn't happen so much, which I think is a real big plus to being able to read this sort of dense textured work is that you have to have that sort of readability built in because you're not going to get a lot of breaks. And I think where that readability actually comes in is in a, in a, in a way it's breaks. I think it's in the balance of description and dialogue. Mm -hmm. I think there's a very, cause I mean, sometimes I'll admit, okay, English major confessions here. Sometimes when I'm reading particularly dense literature, my brain wants me to skim down to the next piece of dialogue. Mm. It happens because I'm waiting. Well, what are people going to actually say instead of getting this, this long description or whatever is happening? And I sense that starting to happen with Christmas gift, but the dialogue would come almost before I had a chance to skim. So I was like, oh, well, there's the dialogue anyhow. So I think balancing that description versus dialogue is a good way towards giving the reader that breathing room and then also maintaining interest because while things do happen certainly in description that's how you describe action a lot more is happening in the dialogue here and and since there's not a lot happening to begin with in this story it, it really relies heavily on the dialogue and what i love also and i have to admit i didn't notice this until i read an essay about the story is that there is no internal dialogue given. Everything is either something a character says or something that happens. And that is fascinating because I never, I did not notice it when I first read it. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is the way that we got the, the dialogue seems like everything is coming out. 
And so it feels like you're getting that sort of that semi-omniscient narrator going, but you're not. Yeah, it's really, and, it's very distant actually. It's removed and we're, we're not really getting inside anybody's head, even though the author sometimes tricks you into thinking that you are with his very close and detailed descriptions of people's actions. You know, he describes people's actions so well that you automatically kind of get into their headspace and understand what they're thinking, but you're not in there. The author's not taking you in there. He's just showing you what they're doing and then that clues you in. So yeah, I think it's, it's distant. It can easily be mistaken for omniscient. Mm, that's, yeah. And even something like, with a dubious inquiring step, as on suspected ice, he went across the straw matting towards his hearth. I mean, that, it's literally simplicity that does, that feels like it's giving you some deep insight. And it's not necessarily, in this case, you know, and he uses the ice imagery so often. And I kind of like it. I'm, I'm tired of fire imagery. There, I said it. <laughs> Controversial opinion. Controversial opinion. Suck it, Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think really that's one of the things that really gets me is when an author can make the, the little details seem like much bigger deal. And here, how he does that is by taking away the inner thoughts of everyone involved and just giving you not just a surface, but a deep surface. Yeah, I agree. There's even, you even have that with the characters that we don't see for very long at all. The characters that are in the general store when the boy first arrives there, we see them for maybe, I don't know, half a page, maybe three quarters of a page. And then we're off and running to the next, to the doctor's house. And it, but it, you definitely, you feel tension between them. You get a, a feeling for their inner lives that you really honestly shouldn't get from such a brief visit that is by and large description. Yeah, and I think his ability to get a character across is very strong. And I think that there is a sense that our main characters aren't necessarily the one, the most interesting characters at least, aren't necessarily the ones who we're dealing with. It's the ones who he's going to get the doctor for. Absolutely, yeah. The, the story, uh, this story started about 20 minutes too early and stopped about one minute <laughs> too early. Like all the story, that everything that it should have been leading up to, we, we don't really see it all. Um, it feels like there's all this, there's some drama and tension in the, in the boy's home with his mother's daughter coming who's only you know, not his father's child and it feels like there's there's a lot coming there and then uh, the little boy splits his candy with the doctor and that's it and scene yes yeah. i think i think this story speaks of a very particular time in american literature and it is that transition from the sort of the 19th century style of writing, very layered, very, very much dealing with textualism uh, to the more modernist, minimalist, uh, expressionist uh, forms that we were getting from, you know, and you already were starting to see it happen with, of course, Hemingway uh, and to a lesser degree of Scott Fitzgerald. 
Um, but, you know, you're definitely getting the, that sort of transition. He's sort of the brackish water between the sea and the, uh, the marsh of, <laughs> of 20th century literature. Yeah, he's like the gray area. <laughs> yeah, full of grays from spaceships beyond the stars. And, and many, many other colors, reds and yellows and some more reds and some whites and some blacks and just all kinds of color everywhere and all the adjectives. But I do have to say for all that we, we, we poke, the verb usage in this is very good. The active verbs that, I think that's another thing that really helps pull you along in the description is it's not, it's not passive, it's active, it's strong, it's vibrant. You know, I can just pick a paragraph and um, uh, well, give me a second and I'll pick the right one. <laughs> I want to make my point strongly. <laughs> I love the fact that you said, I'll pick a paragraph at random and then you say you're going to pick the right one. <laughs> here we go, here we go. The tight skin of the boy's face puckered grayly towards the lips and his Adam's apple twitched up his throat. So like even that one sentence, all it is is just him, you know, the, the boy kind of puckering his face, you know, maybe pinching his face a little bit as he or scrunching it up as he tries to, you know, like gather the words or something. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, his Adam's apple bobbing a little bit as he's trying to, you know, summon up the strength to talk. But you've got the the puckered and the, the, the twitch that are so much stronger than that, you know, that, that and that really help to set a mood, I think, as well. So as much as we tease about the the you know, oh, the adjectives, but that the verbs here are really doing a lot of hard work and are well chosen, I feel, which is hard for writers to do sometimes. It's very easy to rely on am is are was were be being been hat has hat. <laughs> yes. Uh. I, I'm sorry, I taught grammar for a while, so that <laughs> stuck in my head. The to be verbs are, are cemented there forever. It'll be my last words. Uh, I actually, uh, I like to write in the passive voice um, just because I own stock in uh, verb to be plants. And <laughs> I think that it's really going to be a really solid investment down the line. Um, yes, well then, this is going to come up, I think, the week before Christmas. Nice. So I hope I could be wrong. Um, dates and time don't mean anything anymore. Yeah, yeah, they they're just meaningless numbers on a page. It, it's just it's all they all get fuzzed up and it's just all blurry. It's like when you take your glasses off, but that's the entire sense of time. It's it's not just you know when I take my glasses off. All of time is I've taken my glasses off and I'm staring at just a fuzzy blur. I'm almost legally blind, by the way. So <laughs> people who can see. Uh, don't understand this at all. And that's fine. Uh, let me have something. Oh, okay. Y'all can see. <laughs> yeah, I can. Uh, I have to wear glasses when I drive or else I'll die. Um, it's actually not anything to do with my vision. It's actually a witch's curse from when I was born. Um, so <laughs> any last thoughts on Christmas Gift by Robert Penn Warren? Um, one last thought. And I like in the characterization how he, it's just with two words, with two words, Warren manages to give you sort of a sense of this boy's upbringing and where he, kind of where he's from and the environment. 
and it's much obliged. Mm. He's, he doesn't say thank you. He doesn't say thanks. He he's much obliged, and it's that that old fashioned country feeling, and it also shows you that no matter what the people in the general store are saying about his family, you know he's been raised right. He's saying he's saying thank you. He's he's a polite kid. He's just quiet. Exactly, and I think that you know that one little phrase carries a lot of weight, and I think it may mean that Robert Penn Warren was actually. A good writer. I think it might, yes. Yeah, the fact that he was, you know, the first poet laureate of the United States shouldn't really matter, though. I did not know that. You, yes. you, I, I learn new things all the time. And he won three Pulitzer Prizes, two for poetry, one for the book, All the King's Men. Wow. Okay, I'm, I'm completely clueless. <laughs> well, if any of those things aren't true, I'll fix the Wikipedia page. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Well, great. Excellent. Hey, Christy, you know, I was thinking I should read another story for next week. What were you thinking? You should read another story and you should read In the Rain by Stephen Bartlemy. Excellent. Woo All right. Well, that said, this has been Short Story. Short podcast. Bing. Bing. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> Let me make sure. Okay, great. Now we'll do the recording for this one. <laughs> Stop doing that, please. Uh, I...